Well, beloved, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Our focus text this morning is going to be verses 18 through 25. 18 through 25. Join me as we go before the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, blessed be your name, blessed be your word to us this day. O Lord, we are hungry to be fed by you, the living God, and we thank you for giving this to us. We thank you for your Spirit's presence and work. We pray that he would open our hearts and our understanding that we would receive this word with joy, and that our feet would be quick in action. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Hear now the very word of God written for you and for me today. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's word. Indeed, this is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. Well, beloved in Christ, Matthew begins his gospel in a wonderful way as he starts by providing the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I hope that you were blessed and your faith was strengthened as we considered it last week. And why is Matthew's genealogy so great and edifying? Well, in his infinite wisdom, God begins the New Testament in this way for many reasons. Remembering, remember that considering time and place and people and culture, one's genealogy is one's identity. Who you are is who you are the son of. And therefore, Matthew importantly traces Jesus' lineage back to his being the son of Abraham 
and the son of David. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's covenantal promises to Abraham and David. He is the one through whom all the nations will be blessed. He is David's greater son who is sitting as king on his throne and will do so forever. And whereas Matthew notes David's title of king in this genealogy, remember that the only other person in the genealogy who is referenced with his title is Jesus. He is called the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. And if you recall, there is symmetry in Matthew's listing of the generations. He doesn't list every single person in the line, but the ones he does gives us evidence of God's faithful and his providential care for his people throughout their history. And know that in addition, interestingly, 14 is the numeric value of David's name in Hebrew, showing a significance of Christ being the son of David throughout the genealogy. Remember the first 14 generations show the family of David rising from rags to riches. The second 14 demonstrate its flourishing under the reign of many kings, some good and some evil, we saw. In the third, we are given a window into the captivity and even post-captivity, where we find it dwindling into the family of a poor carpenter. But it's there, it's there that we gloriously see that the time of shadows is over. The time of shadows is over. Christ shines forth and out of it as the glory of his people. The time of God speaking to the fathers through the prophets is done. He would now speak through his son, and his son himself has come. And so this morning, we will consider the first advent, the birth of the Savior, through the eyes and the experience of that poor carpenter, Joseph, the dream that he had and the actions that he took. And so let's consider Joseph's Joseph's response to Mary's pregnancy in verses 18 and 19, his dream and the angel's command in verses 20 to 23, and Joseph's faithful obedience in 24 and 25. In verse 18, Matthew says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And so again, see the wonderful connection here between the genealogy of this is his lineage, and now here is his arrival. And here are the details. It's helpful to see that both Matthew and Luke's gospel give us details of the narrative of Christ's birth. Luke teaches us also about Gabriel's announcement of Christ's birth to Mary that sets up Matthew's account in verse 18. If you look with me at Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26, we read about that there. As Luke says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And notice verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Again, we hear the echoes of Matthew here in Luke, don't we? Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And so, beloved, we find Matthew begins similar to where Luke begins, making known Joseph and Mary's betrothal, while specifying that they hadn't yet had the formal ceremony, and so they aren't acting like husband and wife yet. Now, if all of the events of our passage occurred after Mary was betrothed to to Joseph, what does this betrothal mean? Well, betrothal in biblical culture was the same as a legal marriage, though the couple hadn't come together as man and wife. Betrothal was considered to be legally binding, which helps us to better understand Joseph's thoughts that we'll consider in a moment. But keep in mind, after Gabriel made his announcement to Mary, Mary went and spent three months with her cousin Elizabeth. And so Joseph and Mary hadn't come together, but she was pregnant. Matthew says she was found with child. Mary was likely starting to show, or her pregnancy was otherwise made known. But how could this be? That's a, a big question here. How could this be? Mary was a virgin. Well, Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit in her womb as Luke said. And this truth is of vital importance. It was vitally important then, it is vitally important for us today. Jesus had no ordinary origin, but was conceived through the direct, miraculous intervention of the Spirit. He is 100% God, perfect and sinless, and also 100% man. He didn't inherit a sinful nature, as does everyone conceived and born of ordinary generation as descendants of Adam. And beloved, the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ is a vital doctrine that is critical even to the stand of the gospel. It is critical to the gospel. It is a doctrine that has long been under attack by pagans and all sorts of media over the years. It even rises up and you see uh, printings and postings and all sorts of stuff around this time of year. But they claim belief in such a teaching is backwards and nuts. 
A virgin can't be pregnant and give birth, and yet the virgin birth really happened and explains how Christ is both God and man, how he is without sin, and that the entire work of salvation is God's gracious act. My friends, if Jesus was not born of a virgin, he had a human father and inherited a sinful nature. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, he was just like any other sinful man. There is then no gospel, there is no good news for sinners, the Bible teaches a lie, and we are to be pitied. If he wasn't born of a virgin, but he was. And as Joseph thought about and pondered what had happened, what would he do? Look at Matthew 1, verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. See the man, see his relationship with Mary, stated as her husband, see his character and see his desires here. Joseph clearly was perplexed by Mary's pregnancy. He knew that he wasn't the father. It's possible that Mary may have told him what Gabriel told her, However, Joseph was clearly thinking through the matter and maybe even becoming more settled on the idea that Mary had sinned against him with another man. And yet Mary knew the truth about the divine conception, but how could she prove it? As things stood through human understanding, she would be dealt with as an adulteress. And how would they deal with her if they thought that she was guilty? The law in Deuteronomy chapter 22 required that a betrothed woman and the man that she cheated with be stoned to death. Now we must not go into too much speculation here. But Mary being with child clearly was troubling for Joseph. Not only about what happened, but also about what he therefore needed to do. However, see his character shine again here. He was a just man, we're told. Meaning that he was a righteous man before God. He dearly loved Mary, but also knew that he needed to be faithful to God and to follow his law. Joseph was a man of action. And we also see that he was a thoughtful and a considerate man. He didn't want to shame Mary publicly, but rather sever their betrothal privately. And while all of this was going on in Joseph's head, see how God brings angelic intervention. Look at verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Notice the language here again, pointing us back to the lineage and the genealogy. Son of David... Do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now notice a few things here in this verse. See how the angelic announcement Gabriel made to Mary is now matched with the same truth being announced by an angel to Joseph in a dream. How could Mary prove the truth? She couldn't. But God could and did by declaration through his messenger to Joseph. 
but also see the angel and how the angel addresses Joseph in relation to him as the son of David. This is important, as Joseph would be mindful of this and better prepared to receive the news of his relation to the Messiah, who everyone knew was to be a descendant from David. But see also the message of peace that was to drive away the fear and the concern in Joseph's heart and mind. In other words, the angel confirmed that Joseph could stay the course with Mary and marry her. He hadn't, she hadn't committed adultery. She had been faithful to him. The baby in her womb was conceived by the Spirit, which meant that Joseph would be Jesus' adopted father. And beloved, it's such a wonderful mercy from the Lord when he calms our fears and he dashes our doubt with his clear truth and comfort, isn't it? We can have all sorts of thoughts and anxieties and, and worship and, and, and worries and doubts over many things in life, important things in life, and this clearly fit that bill for Joseph. But when the truth is pressed, when the truth pierces through and it dispels the doubts, it comforts our hearts. And that is a great gift from the Lord as he works in us. When he opens our eyes to see things as they truly are, that is beautiful and wonderful. But there was more news here. In verse 21, the angel also said, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And why? For he will save his people from their sins. Here the glorious gospel shines forth in the announcement of the birth of Joseph and Mary's beautiful baby boy. Usually the father would name his son and though it's true that Joseph would name Jesus after his birth, hear and see here that our Heavenly Father communicates what the name of his Son would be. It's Jesus. And a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name Jesus is. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Yehoshua. And Yehoshua is otherwise Joshua which means Yahweh is salvation. God saves. Indeed, he does through Christ. And marvelously, Jesus came to be the captain of our salvation. Hebrews 10, excuse me, Hebrews 2.10 teaches us. He came to be the high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3 verse 1. He truly is our Savior. See how the salvation of Christ would bring, uh, as proclaimed by the angel, and, and telling not only of Jesus' birth here, but see how the angel is also pointing to his life. He's pointing to his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus was born to die. That's what he came to do. He was born to die that he would rise again on the third day and demonstrate his victory. 
For it is through his life, death, and resurrection that Christ would accomplish our redemption, saving us from our sin. As the God-man, Christ kept the whole law perfectly for us. He took our place. Substitutionary atonement. The just for the unjust. As he sacrificed himself to make full atonement for us. And that is important. Full atonement. Not half. Not three quarters. He didn't do most, and then we had to do the rest. No. The complete sacrifice. He made full atonement for us with the Father. And so I ask you this morning, where are you in relation to your sin? Do you know yourself to be a great sinner? Do you hate your sin? Are you trusting in Christ by faith as your Savior? Jesus really and truly has saved his people from their sins. And so if you are not trusting in Christ this day as you sit here and hear this, call upon him. Call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And for what purpose did Matthew say that things would happen the way they did? To fulfill prophecy. Look at verses 22 and 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Here we see that the incarnation of Christ fulfilled the promised sign that God gave Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7.14. It was there and then that God's people were encouraged to hope for the promised deliverance from Sennacherib's invasion. As they were to look forward to the coming of Emmanuel, the coming of the Messiah, And Matthew joyfully points us to Jesus, who is Emmanuel. This is his royal title. Jesus, who is God, come in the flesh. He is the God who saves. He is the God who condescends to his people and is with us. Beloved, even as you consider these names of Christ and what he did, what he has done, his dwelling with us, his condescending to us. You can see, even as people in Matthew's direct audience read the genealogy and even read the second 14 of the the generations, how they saw this whole line of kings after David. And they would say, ah, here is the next king, the great and the greatest of kings, and indeed he is but he would come lowly. He would come in the form of a baby, born in a manger, born in Bethlehem. The smallest and most insignificant of cities in Judah. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. But here comes the great Messiah. The great Messiah that would blow their minds and he would save many hearts and lives. John declares this in John 1, 14. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ took on flesh, abided, and literally tabernacled amongst his people. But notice Joseph's faithful obedience, having heard all of this, having heard what had happened in the announcement, having heard about the fulfillment, having heard what his name would be and who he was from, even that he was from the Lord. He was God himself. Notice then, verse 24, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. My friends, even though there aren't any recorded words from Joseph's mouth in the scriptures, again, we find Joseph to be a just man, a faithful man of action. When he awoke, having been spiritually convinced of the truth, he stayed the course. He married Mary. And they were chased until after Christ was born. Remember that Scripture tells us that Jesus had brothers and sisters. We see this in Matthew 13, 55 through 56. So we know that the Lord made Mary's womb fruitful uh, in her relationship with Joseph. They would be blessed with a growing family after Christ's birth. But the final phrase in verse 25 is wonderful, isn't it? After Mary delivered her baby boy, Joseph did as God commanded and named him Jesus. He named him Jesus, the name that God had given him. And so see how God chose and used both Mary and Joseph as faithful vessels in his service to bring about our redemption. The genealogy tells us the lineage of the one who came and how he is the covenant fulfillment of those covenantal promises that God gave his people of old. But yet we see here that he has come and he accomplished our redemption. Here is his advent, his birth, and his life would precede, and we'll see much of that and examine much of that in the rest of Matthew's gospel. But see Mary's obedience, as well as Joseph's, for we see two occasions in this passage when Joseph knew God's will, and he was immediately set to obey God's commands. May this be an example to us. May we be concerned to do God's will, to seek to know his will as he sets it forth in Scripture, and as God opens our understanding, then be diligent to obey promptly and entirely. This is the word of the Lord to you. Thank you, O God. I will do as you command. May we see these types of examples and see this here in Joseph and say, yes, Lord, help me to be the same. But most importantly, 
Rejoice in the incarnation. Rejoice in the coming of Jesus Christ. See and know Jesus for who He is. The the greater son of Abraham, the greater son of David and Solomon and others has come into the world. He is the promised Messiah. Come in the flesh. He came to abide with us and will indeed be with us forever. He came to live that He would die and rise for us as the true and the able and the willing and the only Savior to save us from our sins. And He has fully accomplished our redemption. Praise the Lord. Praise God for His Word. Let's pray together.